Please accept our apologies for any bangs or scrapes you may hear. Due to the global pandemic, we're recording this remotely. Thanks very much and we hope you enjoy. Hello, I'm Debs. And I'm Hannah. And welcome to The Write-Off, a podcast for the everyday writer. Even if you don't write every day. Whether you're hoping that what you're working on will one day be a Sunday Times bestseller, or you're simply putting words on the page for the pleasure of it, The Write-Off is a podcast for every writer on the journey. You might be squeezing your writing time in around multiple jobs or childcare, or even just around the ebbs and flows of your own enthusiasm. But we're here to say, us too. This is a place to connect and share how you're getting on. It's a space for the story behind your stories. And so... That leads us seamlessly on to the subject of today's podcast. Welcome to episode three, The Mother-in-Law. Hello and welcome to episode three of The Write-Off. Today's episode is about whether when we're writing we censor ourselves. So Hannah, what are your thoughts on the subject of today's podcast? Well, I think that I am quite guilty of censorship of myself. I think that I struggle not to kind of like read my work and see it through the eyes of the people who I imagine reading it and that's not it's normally immediate family because obviously I don't know strangers (laughs) (laughs) of course I think the mother-in-law is a perfect example because I guess it's about wanting to present yourself as a perfect person even through your characters and your storytelling yeah well we all want to be in control of how we're perceived right and um, I think there's often, you know, when you read a book, I suppose in the back of your mind, you're wondering whether or not or how much the author has mined from like an autobiographical stance and how much of it is just fiction. Because we all do it. We're all using the experiences that we have on a day to day basis and they work their way into the book or the story or the poem or whatever it is you're working on. I think if you read a book in the back of your mind you are wondering oh is this a is this does this come from real life I don't know I think sometimes when I'm writing characters I worry that even though in my mind I'm fictionalizing something that a friend or a relative will read it and see themselves and be like totally. how dare she yeah how dare she use my life and it's like yeah ah. you have to write from experience And therefore you have to use those around you. I think you take different aspects from different people that you know, or different stories from different scenarios that you've heard about. And there is that fear that somebody's going to know when, in fact, I think that that's quite unlikely, unless you were like kind of writing about your neighbor and using their name. (laughs) (laughs) How did you guess? (laughs) And describing them exactly exactly the same as the way they look and the things that they dress in. Like, it's unlikely that people are going to know because by the time that you've created that character, it completely jumps away from its origins and comes to life itself. Yeah, definitely. You know, even if you have a plot that is inspired by real life, even if its origins are something tangible that yeah. you could point to and be like, it came from that, it's still the workings of your mind. Yeah, so. Definitely it takes on a different shape doesn't it because you're feeding it through the lens of yourself yeah I don't know people might look at something you've written with a closer lens if you know them and there and really the people that you know are the people's opinions that you worry about I guess it ties into that feeling of like 
from our first episode of owning the statement, I'm a writer, you have to be a bit brazen. And I'm a people pleaser in the core of myself. And I want people to like me and as a byproduct, like whatever it is I produce. But the thing is, you're not in control of that. it's not like every single book I ever read or every single short story anthology I ever pick up I'm like I 100% love that completely things speak to people for different reasons and you can't be in control of how somebody receives your work it's like you've got to give it over without any idea of how it's going to be received because you just can't control that but I think that a lot of the time when I'm writing I'm trying to imagine even as I'm putting it down on the page how it might be received I mean, yeah. how exhausting is that? It's, it's second guessing what readers might think. And it's like, actually, you're not being authentic then, because I do exactly the same. And I th- I'm sure that many writers do the same, where when you write something and you imagine how it's being perceived by anyone apart from yourself, then you're not really using your own voice. You're using the voice that you think others want to hear and read about. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. Is it in the complete freedom of disassociating yourself from any outside factors you know as you're writing you're literally just with your characters inside your story putting it on the page because that is where your most authentic voice exists yeah Yeah. and it's probably the best advice that we can give or receive about self-censoring your work is saying just write for yourself and nobody else I think as well that for so many years on the back burner, there has been my writing. And a lot of people in my life who have been like championing me and being like, come on, get on with it. So if one day this thing that everybody has known that I've been working on for so goddamn long actually does go out into the world for anybody to read, the pressure yeah. on it is massive. I mean, I'm only talking about a handful of bloody people who would actually care. But, yeah, like, but they're, uh, they're the people in your world. So it means the world. Yeah. And I'm like, God, imagine them, right? Finally, I'm sitting down to read this thing that Hannah says she's been working on for years and years. And then I could just imagine them being like, oh. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's another thing that we've got to um, to do in order to kind of limit how much we censor ourselves, which is to get over ourselves a bit. <laughs> oh I reckon if I wrote something and put it out to the world, more than anything, my family would be like, oh, I've got to read that fucking thing now. Can't be bothered with that, you know? (laughs) I don't know. So I I guess, you know, somewhere between what you're saying and what I'm saying is the truth, which is they'll be interested, but they won't care as much as we do. That is true. Also, I think generally people just want you to succeed don't they it's easier to imagine the negativity than it is to imagine people being like I loved what you did Deb I loved what you did because <laughs> yeah. also it's yeah. like you're not a wanker I imagine that this is going to be received with a lot of praise like <laughs> you know what I mean you're yeah. just like I think there's also a very Britishness of like kind of apologizing before you've even you know sorry for this by the way <laughs> you know that's so British, isn't it? To yeah. just be like, would you mind? I'm well, sorry to take up space. I think it's all it's all tied into that fear. I think censorship in general is about fear. It's yeah. it's fear of how you're perceived, as we've been discussing. It's fear of that you might offend, I guess. It's all about offence, yeah. isn't it? And it's also fear of how you're exposing yourself. 
maybe my internal monologue is all wrong. But then, you know, the novels that I truly love are very honest, you know, to a brutal degree of, yeah. of, of the human condition. But when it's yourself, it's a really vulnerable position to be in. It's like that thing of like anything that you put definitively down on the page, you have to be able to answer to, don't you? You've made it concrete by committing it to the page and therefore you have to be able to stand behind it. I've sat in the audience where an author has been grilled for what they've written. It's actually excruciating. You know, they've created something and put it out into the world. And then because of the way that things are set up now, promotional tours and whatever, they genuinely do have to sit there and answer for it. (laughs) So I guess that's another thing. Like, it's easy for me to sit here and say, just write for yourself. But I've never been in a position where I've had to, like, promote my work and apologise for it. Yeah, or justify it. Justify it, you know. I think as well that justification sometimes makes me a bit nervous to write about things that I haven't had a complete direct experience of. Yeah, so recently I was considering writing about a person with agoraphobia and even that gives me a bit of fear in case I get it wrong. Despite the amount of research that you can do, if you haven't experienced agoraphobia yourself, do you therefore step away from that? Yeah, but it's like, where's the line? It's like if you're only allowed to write about things that you've literally experienced firsthand inside of yourself, then that's very limiting because sometimes you have an idea for a story or have an idea for a character and you want to explore something and it's not going to be something that you have firsthand knowledge about. And yeah, it's like, where's the line between artistic license and cultural appropriation? Yeah. How can you write authentically about something you yourself don't fully understand I think you have to sometimes you have to be put yourself inside a character so to speak you can write about a serial killer and not kill people I mean exactly that's like the power of the imagination isn't it that's why we have imaginations you need to be able to visualize imagine something inside your head And try not to imagine your mother-in-law reading it. (laughs) So back to the Um, (laughs) mother-in-law. What wouldn't you want your mother-in-law to read about? Sex. Yeah. (laughs) True, isn't it? Because before your husband, you never had sex. (laughs) Not a jot. You were an innocent and you learned it all from him. Which means that if you're writing about some BDSM or something, (laughs) your mother-in-law would be like, well, where did she learn about that? (laughs) Oh my God, exactly. But then also, how many times have you read like bad sex in books? Yeah. You know, because again. Is that people censoring themselves? Is that people censoring themselves? I have to say, I definitely like read the odd Daniel Still when I was like 11 or 12. And it, it was always no mess, no fuss. They were as one. They merged. It was extremely romantic. <laughs> I would actively avoid writing a sex scene for all the reasons we've just we've just talked about. Yeah, I yeah, I feel a bit mortified to think of like my granny or <laughs> my mother-in-law or my auntie. You know, I'm just like, wow. Do they need to know that this came out of? Because it's not me, obviously, but it is me speaking in one way. So it's like, yeah. 
Well, a fear, uh, with the fear of sounding prudish, I'd only write in sex if it was integral to the plot. If the sex itself was important enough to mention because it represented the relationship in a way yeah. that was part of the story, I guess. If it was like superfluous to the plot and it was just like to yeah. write something kinky, you know, I wouldn't be interested really in writing it, um, I don't think. But then I've never really done it before, so... No, not sex. I mean, writing about sex. <laughs> <laughs> Although having said that, okay, I've got a good example of how writing something quite rude was important for that character. Um, and it was back at uni, I had to write a solo performance piece. And it was a nun basically trapped on a desert island. And it was about her self discovery and her self acceptance. And I remember my tutor at the time saying, why doesn't she masturbate? Yeah. And I was like, hilarious. But then when I actually thought about it, it's like, well, why doesn't she? This wasn't to be shocking. It was because people masturbate. And so yeah. I wrote it in and it it literally became the like climactic part of the... No pun intended. Once. No pun intended, exactly. <laughs> and I guess there was part of me that was prudish and shocked at the initial suggestion. Yeah. But But then there is part of me that's like, I was 20 years old or whatever. And going back to the thing where I think we censor ourselves in life, I feel like as you progress through life in your professional career, in your relationships, in the people that you meet, the friendships you make, I feel like in a way I have kind of self-censored part of that spirit that was there when I was 20 um, because it doesn't fit into every world. Well, which is absolutely fine. You don't, you don't walk around at work talking about wanking. <laughs> depends on your work but um <laughs> in like not wanting to write about sex in case my auntie or mother-in-law or granny reads it it's also really condescending of me because what they never had experiences of their own they aren't connected to their sexual selves and like you said that prudish element is really interesting it's something to like unpack because why don't we allow ourselves more freedom around that? Am I afraid of my own sexuality? What am I afraid of? You know, it. it's back to fear, isn't it? It is. You are absolutely right. Censorship and fear. And I guess that's where you, you know, you feel a little bit pretentious when you're presented with um, a blank screen or a blank page and you can write what you want to say, just don't be afraid. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. If, if you if you let fear hold you back, you won't write what you should be writing and what could be potentially brilliant and authentic and original. Well, not to sound like a bad fridge magnet, but feel the fear and do it anyway, right? Yeah, totally. That's a great <laughs> fridge magnet. I want it. Love that fridge magnet. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I am a bit of a wuss. So if I reach a point where I start feeling a bit sort of like, oh I'm I'm going somewhere and I'm not sure I'm in control of it or I start you know imagining it being read by a third party then I kind of tend to steer away rather than face it head on and be like it's gonna be a bit hard to write this I think on a psychological level as well it's like do you visit those parts of yourself that you find it hard to face in real life and do you pour them out onto the page? And I guess the answer is yes. Yeah. Like without, with, with the fear of sounding like another bad fridge magnet, you know, when they say dance like no one's watching, 
<laughs> like, right, like no one's going to read it. Yeah. I mean, that's the ultimate freedom, right? That's the ultimate privilege is to be like, I am going to say whatever the hell I want because I can. And I don't mean that in a kind of like fuck off to everybody and everything. I just mean like you having the freedom to write your story. That should be an exercise that we do is go, right, write something and with absolute truth about something and imagine that no one's ever going to read it and then read it back in a couple of weeks. Pretending it's not for you, you know, and think, is that good? Write it as though no one will ever see it. Yeah. It's the fridge magnet. Yeah. Because let's face it, they probably won't. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, that's brilliant. That's the fridge magnet. Write like no one's going to read it because they probably won't. I think as well, I don't know if you feel this. You know, you're talking about being 20 and you feel as though you've lost some of that, the spirit in which you were able to express myself take that piece of advice yeah. and put it into your writing at 20 I think as much as we say and we've talked about this in previous episodes that life experience feeds into writing I think you also have less less freedom the older you get this might be bullshit there'll be people sat here listening who are like oh bullshit it's up to you basically but I think when you're young you can kind of like be more cavalier because there may be less things fewer responsibilities or like fewer people to answer to I totally agree yeah you know I'm agreeing and I'm not saying that that's therefore how we should now live our lives but there are those obstacles there and I think I think that's generally how what happens when people get a bit older is that you're just more cautious with everything in your life you have the benefit of experience and then yeah the fear of, well, well, the lack of fearlessness. The conclusion is, I guess, the fridge magnet, which is in order to write fearlessly, you pretend that no one's going to read it. What else do you think we can kind of walk away with? I think we are built with an internal censorship for a reason. It allows you to interact in society and not be like, it's not natural to just say whatever the hell you want to say. In order to be able to have like conversations and not just talk about yourself. <laughs> or not just talk about wanking. <laughs> Stop talking about wanking, Deb. <laughs> no, but you're maybe... absolutely right. So I guess again, it's about finding that balance, isn't it? Between politeness, acceptability, to truthfulness. I, I think it's recognizing it when you feel it creeping in, when you feel your self-consciousness creeping in. Just trying to push it back a little bit which is definitely easier said than done but I think there's something liberating in recognizing that you're feeling it and then choosing to push override through it. Push override through. it yeah because and the, and the differences between trying to function in polite society and writing a novel is that one is a, a way to get you know to kind of interact with your peers and the other is to put something creative out into the world and express yourself I guess yeah so express yourself everyone express yourself don't repress yourself (laughs) that's why we're doing this so enjoy yourself express yourself (laughs) and masturbate never think (laughs) you both know you do
Well, thanks, Hannah. This has been really enjoyable chat and um, I hope those listening have enjoyed it too and I've got things from it. What is next week's podcast about, Hannah? Podcast four is going to explore jealousy and what we do when we feel it towards our writing peers. Perfect. I look forward to it. Until then, take care and good luck with your writing. We just wanted to give a little shout out to our listeners because we've had some incredible feedback since the podcast has aired. It really does mean the world to us when people get in touch to tell us that the podcast has resonated with them, that some of the themes apply to their writing lives. They have talked about feeling a bit less lonely because they recognise themselves in some of the things that Debs and I have talked about. One lady said that she had been keeping her writing a secret and that calling herself a writer seemed almost ludicrous. Um, And it was really touching for her to share that with us. So we wanted to say thank you um, for coming with us on the journey. It means a lot to have you here with us. And as always, we're here to remind you, us too. If you did want to come and join us, then you can follow us at The Write-Off Podcast on Instagram. If you have enjoyed today's episode, then please do subscribe, rate and review us. It helps people to find us and every listen and download to our little podcast really does make a difference and we really do appreciate it.